Hey, I'm Dwayne. And I'm Jennifer. And together we're doing a podcast, Roots. The Unseen Life. Come on a journey with us. You'll produce a system of roots that will stabilize you and... Produce fruit. We're going somewhere. Come along with us. All right. want to welcome you to the Roots Podcast. Yes, and I am Jennifer and you're Dwayne, right? Yes, great to have you guys with us. We are really enjoying doing these podcasts. Yeah, we really are. I, and I enjoy you. Well, thank you. Um, let's move along. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking we'd have a date. You want to lean in for a kiss, sweetheart? No. All right. It's, uh, we're super excited. We have two amazing women with us today. And uh, so as you guys know, we're doing podcasts kind of back and forth between Jennifer and I and the inviting on guests. And so... Um, we have uh, Hannah Paul and Chelsea Noonkamp, and so they are, you know, mature staple pillars within our church here at Upper Room Denver. But they're both also really geeked out by politics. Is that I believe that's words they've used? <laughs> it's a little bit adorable, like watching you guys get excited about certain books and totally. statistics. Your eyes sparkle like a little girl when she gets a baby doll for the first time Christmas morning. So this is like amazing how you're wired, how God has made you, and to see you enjoy, you know, the way the Lord has wired you guys, and and we get a benefit from it. So it's awesome. Yeah for sure so why don't you guys let's let's start out so just to kind of frame it out we're probably in the most divided uh divided time in this nation in decades yeah we're tumultuous season crazy 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 so that's kind of the context we want it we want to talk today so but i would like you guys let's just first start off by you guys introducing yourselves your your just personally but also just career-wise so we know you guys are talking with a little bit of authority as we go into this topic so uh uh chelsea you introduce yourself first hi thanks so much for having us this is so fun my name is chelsea Meetingcamp. i'm a colorado native and I'm a Republican and I work in politics. So I have been a Republican not only since I was 18 and I registered to vote, but like I was born into it from birth in my family. That was the option was we're Christians and we're Republicans and that is uh, who we are. And then as I grew up, I started to realize that, oh, you could be a Christian and be a Democrat. And I um, remember that was a big kind of realization for me, a big surprise um, that Jesus didn't have a party. Um, but then I kind of realized I did a lot of research. I was as nerdy in high school as I am today. And so just picture just, you know, slightly younger embraces and I'm the same. Um, and so I really realized like, no, I'm a conservative and I still want to be a Republican. Um, but then started working in politics. And my first um, kind of foray into that, I did some work advocating against human trafficking in the Colorado State Capitol, ran the first human trafficking day at the Capitol here, ended up working in the Colorado State Senate for the Senate Majority Leader for a few years. I've done some government affairs work for organizations within Colorado, and now currently I work as the Deputy Political Director for a national political reform organization where we work to elect better leaders and to pass reforms to our system to make it a more functional and representative government. Um, and I really agree with you know what you said, Jennifer, about Hannah and I. I feel like the Lord has called me, there's that quote about, he's called me to where the world's deep hunger and my deep gladness meet. And for me, that's working in politics. Wow. That's, that's awesome. That's a, wow. I think you guys represent so well being ambassadors for Christ. I mean, I look at you guys and, and just knowing a bit of your story and the, the against the grain kind of way that you walk because of the kingdom, I just think of you guys as missionaries. Like you're, you're both set in really high places and you are representing the kingdom there and it's pretty impressive. And it, it kind of removes the sacred secular drama and that this, what you're doing is holy to the Lord. And so that, that's another piece I want people to extrapolate from even your conversation that you are fully given over to Jesus and you're representing him really well as an ambassador of Christ. So I just honor both of you for that. I think it's amazing the way you walk this out. Thank you so much. That's so encouraging. And um, I just, I even love the term missionary. I think, I don't know if you feel like this, Chelsea, but I think in my department or in my workplace, like I, I feel 
I feel that sense. I feel like I am, you know, representing and, and being a light in that space often. Um, that I, should I go ahead and introduce myself? Yeah, please. Yeah. Introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Hannah Paul. I am a Democrat. I grew up in Dallas, Texas in a really conservative community, conservative church. My, both of my parents uh, identified as Republicans uh, growing up. My dad identified as a fiscal conservative and um, I have memories campaigning for a Republican presidential candidate with my mom when I was really little, just kind of walking around the neighborhood and knocking on doors. Uh, but when I uh, approached 18 and I was getting ready to really decide what I believed personally about my political beliefs, I did some research. I kind of thought about what resonated with me, what issues I felt like were the most pressing society, but more so like how I felt like the government's role should be um, in, in addressing those issues. And I felt like I aligned more with the Democratic Party. And so um, I ended up affiliating with them. Um, which was an interesting dynamic because um, I didn't just leave that conservative community, right? So I've had a lot of practice in defending uh, my position and my affiliation. And I think um, it's been really sweet to sort of transition from a, a place of defending those positions to engaging in meaningful conversation where I'm learning from my Republican friends like Chelsea, um, Republican colleagues, et cetera. And so that's been really sweet for me. Um, by profession, I'm a political scientist. I am in like the final phase of my PhD program at the University of Colorado Boulder. And I, I mostly study political behavior. Um, so why people feel the way that they do about politics, why they behave in certain ways in that space. Um, and I will hopefully transition into academia or some sort of think tank after I finish the program. Beautiful, beautiful. So, I just want—I just want even them to introduce themselves so that you know we're talking to actually people who know what they're talking about, skilled people, <laughs> um, people who who um, who really have an authority to speak into politics from from a faith-based perspective. And so, not just quoting a Facebook forward. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So. Um, we got some questions here that I just would, but I, I think that, you know, it's such a hot topic yeah. specifically right now. I mean, it's the hottest topic of the, of, in the nation leading up to, um, the, the election on in November. So I want to first ask the question, why does politics matter and why as a Christian should I even engage in this and, and why does it matter? Um, uh, Hannah, you go first. Yeah. Um, I, I think I want to just define what we mean when we're talking about politics um, before I get into sort of why I think it matters. Um, politics is just referring to how we order society. It's um, basically how we decide to live together. And um, when we think about it in those terms, terms, politics is everywhere, right? I think it's, it's not something we can ignore. It's not something that doesn't touch our lives. And so um, it's not only touching our own lives, but it's touching the lives of our neighbors and our communities. And so for us as Christians, um, the Lord calls us to love our neighbor as ourself. And politics and engagement in government is a really powerful tool to do that, to engage in that neighborly love, um, particularly within the political system that we reside in, which is a democratic republic. And so the government's role is to reflect the will of the people and its policies and how it governs. And so by engaging, by talking to my representatives, by voting, um, by engaging in all sorts of different ways in politics, I can um, partner with others to love my neighbor and promote policies that are, are good for the flourishing of our communities and for the nation as a whole. Yeah, I 100%, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I got excited. I was just going to say, I 100% agree with Hannah. I think it's this incredible tool at our disposal, and that's how we should look um, at it and how we should understand it. Um, you know, and to what Jennifer said earlier about this sacred secular divide, we know that that is a divide that as human beings we have created. That's not how the Lord designed us to function. 
And so I think some of the challenges that Christians experience in politics is because we've siloed it um, in a way that we haven't had a strong kind of theological understanding of how do we view this entire sphere of our society and of our culture? How should we engage in it? And how should we be disciples in how to wield this tool well? And that's a really important focus that as believers we should have. And so I think for us to use the tool that Hannah has described really well, we have to have a very strong theological framework. And for me, that starts in Genesis. When God creates Adam and Eve, he creates them in his image. And that image uh, comes with a blessing. It says that he blesses them with it, but also it comes with a responsibility. He tells them to have dominion over the earth, to cultivate all of the natural resources that he's given them in the garden, um, to do something with it and to be good stewards of it. Um, and so for us in 2020, we're also made in the image of God. We also have that blessing, but we also have that responsibility. And while my natural resources may not be what Adam and Eve had in the garden, for me living in a democratic republic, like Hannah described, one of my resources available to me is my vote, my mm. ability to civically engage, my intellect, my creativity, you know, and, and a sense of a holy imagination for what I think my community can look like. And for me to steward those resources well, to cultivate it well, um, and to realize that I'm living within a heavenly kingdom and an earthly kingdom, and that the heavenly kingdom is an upside down one. And so Jesus teaches us how to steward our communities well. And he says that it's by loving your neighbor as yourself, by putting others before yourself, by living for the sake of the world, by laying down your life for others. So it's really clear in the gospel what that stewardship for us should look like. And then also as kingdom heavenly people, we know the end of this story. We know that when God first started his relationship with man, it was a garden. And in Revelation, it's a city. It's the new Jerusalem that comes down and it has streets and it has gates and has everything that a city will have. And we will live and reign with Jesus in that city. And he will be even the son of the city. Well, there'll be no night there. Everything will be fully redeemed is what scripture tells us. So everything that I'm doing today to steward what I've been given well is unto the full redemption of what Jesus will do um, when all things are made right. And I get to be part of that. I'm invited into that, which is incredibly exciting. Um, but that also should be how I think about what I'm doing today. I think that's excellent. I think that that kind of answers the question of you know how how do i impact society does it really matter and i think sometimes christians either get really militant or they fully disengage and so you just gave a broader picture for why participate participation matters today because he's coming back and we're going to rule and reign with him that's beautifully said i love that and so i just um, you know, the, there's there's so many things that you guys are communicating in this season that I love and I just want to make sure get brought across but let's just stay to the quick questions because I want to jump ship and ask other things but um, how should how should Christians engage so what what should be our approach um, and, and then how do we navigate and walk out um, this in this season you know a lot of people I think are looking around at the church and they're thinking, ooh, maybe we've gotten too political. <laughs> you know, Jennifer sees the word militant, right? right. Um, I think there's this, this confusion that stewarding the earth well looks like amassing human power at all costs. Um, and I think that's a real misunderstanding for us and a, kind of a lack of discipleship in that area. That's not what we see from the way of Jesus in scripture. And so, but it's also not to completely disengage, right? As Jennifer said as well. And so when people are looking around concerned about, you know, church behavior in some ways or Christian behavior, I don't think that the issue is that Christians have gotten too political. I think that our politics has become insufficiently Christian. 
in the sense that we in many ways, and I am including myself, this is a journey for all of us, have failed to bring the full character of God and the love of Jesus into every single political act that we make, whether that be a vote where we're thinking more about our neighbors than ourselves, or how we're engaging on social media, how we're engaging with members of the opposite party. Um, that are we bringing the fullness of the character of Christ into those spheres um, to the extent that we see it modeled in scripture. Mm-hmm. That's really, yeah, that's really good, Chelsea. I, I think um, in addition to that, like how we engage um, is, is so much more about our posture towards one another, um, which should be in Christ-like love and that agape love that Jesus calls us to um, is it rooted in feelings? It's rooted in choice. It requires action. It's costly, like Chelsea was saying earlier. Um, we we should be loving others and sacrificing for them. Like it's a sacrificial love that we're called to. And that also requires us to actually know who our neighbors are and what their needs are too, right? If we're going to do that effectively. Um, and so that's, that's a an important, I think, characteristics of, of, of how we should be engaging instead of like Chelsea was saying, like trying to amass power, cultural power. Um, I think in the, the political arena today in the US and the United States, we see a lot of sort of fighting for cultural Christianity and fighting against sinners instead of sacrificing for sinners, instead of loving, instead of being a witness. Um, I, I'm not sure that we could say that Christians are really known by our love in and politics in the U.S. Um, and that and that grieves me. And I think um, I I include myself in that. Like that's been a journey for me to um, transition from like putting on my political scientist hat or what's the most logical policy solution instead of um, really posturing myself to love those around me um, to to not have to be right in my own eyes or or just in my own eyes, but to really ask for the righteousness um, of the Lord and the wisdom of the Lord when I'm engaging in that space. Um, and so I think as, as believers, like there's an incredible opportunity for us to engage in a way that is a witness to the Lord um, and his love and his wisdom um, and, and not kind of taking this, the ends justify the means approach, which we've seen throughout the history of the church um, when the uh when sort of cultural power is at stake and, and things like that I'm, i was about to start talking about constantine but i'll refrain uh, but but <laughs> no, go i go for it go for it no because i think it's no because i think there's something there that mm-hmm. needs a little bit of a, a bubble pop just go there yeah. for a second because i think okay. i know what you're going to say okay um so there's this uh during the time of constantine um, he had this vision to create like a Christian empire. And so he ended up using force um, and, and lethal force um, in order to uh, convert individuals. And so that it kind of became this like uh, war for the kingdom, which um, sort of allowed or justified the very um, violent treatment of, of other people who didn't agree. Um, and so it was this, this kind of understanding of like, well, um, it's for the sake of the kingdom. And so if I have to do some, get my hands dirty in the process, it's okay if it achieves the outcome that I think is um, bringing that kingdom here. And so right. there was, there was uh, that the sort of approach there, of course, like Jesus cares a lot about how we behave, right? And how we act towards one another, how we treat one another. Um, and so um, to kind of bring it to today, if there's a policy position that we think um, if there's a policy that's really unjust, for example, and we think this needs to end, we need to end this injustice, how we go about that change really matters. Um, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't warrant um, sort of spewing hateful things or using force. Um, it requires us to come under others and to love them and take a position of humility and sacrifice and taking that sort of subversive approach that Jesus does often or we see him doing in the scriptures. Um, so, so to sort of wrap that point up, um, how we behave as Christians matters just as much as the outcomes that we're pursuing in the political sphere. I mean, I mean, that's, that's huge. Huge. It's like a, 
we like because it's just I, I think to be if we're going to be really honest we do not see a christ-like approach in 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 the way we engage in politics it's really very much us and them yeah you know if if you're a republican or if you're a democrat it's us and them and and i feel like the political powers have actually fueled that thought today yeah. They've 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 created the teams, you know, right. that, the, the parties. And I think uh, it's huge. It, it is huge. And our, our political preferences and parties have become our identity in a way that is a little bit terrifying. And some of the language that you guys have used when you're having conversations is that you said you take off your team jersey and listen to each other. And I think that's really critical. And because also you guys are you're like truly friends. It's not like, oh, well, she's okay for a Democrat and she's okay for a Republican, but you have deep friendship and love for one another. And so that has required you to model Christ-like behavior in a way that is beautiful, that you, you really do take off, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, and you lean in to hear each other and that is absent. Currently, it's absent in the culture. And I appreciate that both of you are modeling that really well. Thank you. I, I think even just in this recent process for Chelsea and myself, like um, we are so united and so in full agreement about the gospel and being fully committed to following Jesus. And so that's given us this really firm foundation for these conversations because Chelsea and I disagree about a lot of things. Like we disagree. We agree a lot. We agree fully on the gospel. We agree on most outcomes that we would like to see in society, but we disagree a lot about how to get there. And so when we're having those conversations, which are challenging, right, there's conflict in that, a healthy conflict. Um, we were able to remember like at the end of the day, like we're sisters in Christ and we are unified. Um, and we are, we are a part of a much greater kingdom than the sort of political spaces and parties that we're navigating um, currently. I think, I think that's really the, good. The only way to engage well in this space is to start with the understanding that this is not where I get my ultimate needs met. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way I can engage in politics well. And so when I engage with Hannah, I go with my heart open, expecting I'm probably going to learn something new. <laughs> I respect Hannah. I love Hannah. I see the love of Jesus and the character of Jesus in Hannah. And so when we're engaging on a topic of public policy, my heart is open. It is soft um, towards her and towards the wisdom that I know she has that might be different than something that I've considered. And when we hold our ideologies and our policy positions with open hands, we allow ourselves to be teachable, to be humble, to be empathetic towards someone else who has a different experience than we do. And it only really makes our public discourse better when we let go of the fear when we clench our fists. And like everything in life, in politics, it's also true. We should never be making decisions out of fear, ever. <laughs> Um, and so to be in this space, it requires a really high level of intentionality to not be more formed by my politics than I am by the kingdom of God, to not be more formed by my partisan ideology than I am by the Sermon on the Mount. And that's something that I know we, Hannah and I both, have had to repent from because it's so easy to be formed by the world. That's why Paul tells us in Romans 12, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by renewing your mind, because it's really easy to be formed by the world. And I see a lot of believers engaging in this space, um, either looking for something more than I think what politics is really designed to give us, or in kind of a more concerning way as a form of hobbyism or entertainment that forms us in a really dramatic way that's really concerning and we should be very aware of as believers. Um, for Hannah and I, I know we have found specific policy positions where we've had to take a step back and say, you know, is my view on this more informed by the gospel about my party? And I know for me, I'll share, that was how I was viewing those living in poverty in my community and in my country. 
I'm a Republican. Um, and so while I would say, yes, of course I care about the poor, that would be kind of where my mind was at. Um, I realized that out of my heart were coming some statements like, yeah, but it, you know, personal responsibility is very important and we need to be careful about how many things we just give away. And, you know, there's an element of people kind of needing to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And I was saying some of these things and the Holy Spirit in his kindness led me to repentance. And I realized that my view of the most vulnerable in my community was being more formed by the Republican Party than it was by the love of Jesus. Who this, is, this is a poor. huge point. This is a huge God, point. Incredibly high place. Mm -hmm. And... That is where I need to realize that the gospel is always here. The kingdom is always highest. And whatever human ideology that's created by man that is imperfect by nature, because we're all sinful, yeah. has to come way, way, way below it. Yeah. That's excellent. Go on, Hannah. I, I hit that a little bit. I think it's so good. Yeah, I just, I love, I love that when Chelsea was engaging with the Holy Spirit on this topic, um, she didn't just keep it to herself. She came to me and she shared this with me, um, and which requires like, that requires a lot of humility. And like like we've said, like we love each other, we have history together, we're safe for each other. Um, but that's still not an easy thing to do. And her humility and sharing with the Holy Spirit had um, provoked in her, led me to share an experience of repentance on that very same topic. Um, so as a Democrat. Um, I have been very focused a lot in my positions on alleviating poverty. And in the past, I have just anything with a, a pro-poor label on it, I've supported wholeheartedly without really taking a more uh, nuanced and closer look at how the policy is constructed and the effects that it's having. And so where this um, was highlighted to me was when I was working, I was working at a nonprofit organization prior to beginning the PhD program and several of the women who were my colleagues were living with very little income. And one day we were just sitting and, and working and they started having a conversation about food stamps and there was disagreement. So they, they felt differently on um, how well food stamps were achieving what they were meant to. And um, I realized when they were having this conversation that I, I hadn't really been thoughtful and the policies that I supported, and it, it was more about the label than the actual people, um, and the and in a way that sort of I hadn't recognized their dignity, um, yeah. in a way that I was very humbling for me to to sort of say I was you know pro pro poor, but but didn't know enough to know what policies um, were how it was actually shaping their lives, um, even if it on its surface um, looked like it was, and so I had to to repent for that. Um, I was sort of championing the party's positions instead of having a more involved and critical look at um, what those policies were actually doing and how they were actually affecting my neighbors' lives. Um, and so that's that's been really transformative for me and how um, I engage and 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 that revealed to me that I was going to my party before I was going to the Lord and how to engage in that space. I think that's excellent. Um, I just want to break from the script for a tiny bit. You guys had mentioned this, I think, um, the last time we did a conversation as a church um, about the how, how you were both able to describe the positive sides of the opposite p political party. And I, I think that is really good to hear that. And um, could you just talk about that, Hannah and Chelsea? Maybe let's start with you, Hannah, since I see you on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would love to. Um, I think we were asked this question to sort of compliment the other party, and I love that. I think that's so important. And so one one thing um, that I really love um, about Republicans um, like Chelsea is um, this value for family um, and value for um, preserving and strengthening the family in our communities, which is such a, an important like biblically, we know like the the Lord loves the family. That's a that's a very that's a sacred um, unit there. Um, but I really love the sort of purity um, in and attention that Republicans have towards towards family, um, and it's something that I I want to focus on more and to have more attention toward in my 
and my own politics as well. And so that's one of a one of a few things that I love about the Republican Party. That's awesome. How about you, Chelsea? Yeah, for me, um, I love the way I see Democrats and people like Hannah leading with compassion in public policy conversations. Um, conservatives sometimes we feel compassion, but we oftentimes don't lead with it. Um, and the kind of we've at different times in our history we've had this idea of like a compassionate conservative, but I feel like we've lost that a lot in our public discourse as of late. And I am so encouraged by the way I see Democrat colleagues and um, people like Hannah leading with what about the most vulnerable in our communities? What about those who are marginalized? What about those who are either based on their socioeconomic status, their education level, their gender, their race, um, are not experiencing the same benefits of what it means to be an American in 2020 as maybe other people are. And I so value that. I think it's such an important part of the conversation. And I want to emulate more of that in my political engagement and in my discourse. I think that's so good. Um, I think... You know, I, I probably lean more towards the conservative end and have held on to a couple issues that matter a ton, you know, mainly abortion. And so that's been something that I've been able, or not been able, I've overlooked so many other things because of that one issue. And I'm being convicted currently about all the, the, the ways that I haven't stood for life after a person is born. And... I'm realizing that I haven't done, I haven't done a good job of standing for life in every area, only just before, you know, birth. And I'm, I'm recognizing that that's not okay. And I know that you guys have talked about that. And I know that Hannah doesn't believe in abortion. And so, and, and you guys have talked about how to, how to walk out representing life well. And I just want to honor both of you for for really you know, holding the line for life. And even for Hannah, that means there are people that don't appreciate her stand in her own party. And to go against the grain in that way, against the current is really um, courageous. And then Chelsea, for you to bring up issues like, well, what about the suicide rate? What about all of these things that typically maybe a democratic candidate would would talk about above a republican wouldn't and you're you know waving the flag going no 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 we we need to think broader and i just want to honor both of you for that and and say i appreciate the way that you're holding the line and expressing god's heart for life and and all the components that that encompasses i think it's beautiful thank you thank you i think it requires um, for both of us, a level of courage, right? And we, I think, need more courage in our politics to talk to our own teams yeah. and say, I think we're missing it on this issue, or I think that we're too close-minded on this issue. Yeah. Is our stand in the Republican Party for life more pro-birth than it is truly pro-life? And how are we thinking about that topic? And are we allowing ourselves to even be manipulated by our parties to say, you have to be with us on this issue and you don't have to think about anything else? And we don't only have the ability to stand up to our parties, we have the responsibility. Yeah, because really. in our political system, we are supposed to be shaping our politics and our parties, but they're shaping us. And it's backwards. We yeah. are supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, for the people. Um, and so yeah. we need to be more engaged in sharing our values. Um, and that takes an element of courage to stand up to those with whom you agree on behalf of those with whom you disagree. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I, no, go, go ahead. ahead go, no, go, go ahead. Okay. Um, I couldn't agree more with Chelsea on this. Um, and it's something that I am continually growing in is um, how, how to speak up, how to be heard, um, how to be courageous. Um, I think it's important to not only speak up, but, but to speak loudly, you know, in love and in truth, but to, to be loud about the things that we disagree with and to take, um, take that responsibility that Chelsea was describing really seriously. Um, and, and with a sort of 
the next step, which is, and here's, here's what I propose too, I think is really important. Um, so for me as like a pro-life Democrat, like I, I don't love the policies that I'm seeing. And so instead of critiquing current, current policies around um, this issue, proposing more nuanced, more useful um, positions, um, and, and also, I think for me as a Democrat, it's important to, to say and be loud about this is that um, protecting the sanctity of life in utero does not mean taking away from the rights and the, the um, dignity of the mother or the autonomy of the mother, um, that we can honor women, we can create policies um, that support them um, and protect the sanctity of life as well, that those two things are not mutually exclusive. It can get complicated, right? Um, but we can mm -hmm. have more nuanced conversations and create craft more thoughtful policy in this space um, that protects both the unborn and women as well. I got a, I got this, I haven't asked you this question yet, Hannah, but um, I want to ask it for you. So, because you know, traditionally, if you're Caucasian and a Christian, you're a Republican, and then really what. You know, just even as I agree with Jennifer, just the whole abortion topic, it, it is the one thing that I think the Republican Party rallies believers around, Christians around. And so you're, you're, what, what would you say to a Republican um, in saying, I think you're missing it on this issue of, of of life the value of life and what is driving you as a christian democrat going you're you guys i'm 100 percent that abortion's wrong but i feel like your eyes are a little bit closed to this what would be that this for you does that question make sense i think so i'll start answering it and if i'm i'm going in a different direction just let me know sure. um i think like with conversations about this that i've had um, is kind of like, let's brainstorm together. Like we agree um, life should be protected. Like let's brainstorm. What can we do to affect the roots um, of some of the like issues of crisis pregnancies? Like why we have so many crisis pregnancies, especially among lower income women. And so kind of redirect or broaden the conversation so that we're we're not just talking about like, what do you do when a woman is having a crisis pregnancy, um, but what can we do to prevent that from happening? Um, yeah. What There are lots of different ways we can do that. And then on the other side um, of that, of once the woman has had her child um, or has decided to, to have her child, then what support systems can we put in place? Um, I think here there's a number of ways to do it. And I'm, I'm, I think um, engagement of, of faith communities and civil society, in addition to government um, role in this is, is really important, like a really holistic approach. And so um, I've had some really fruitful conversations with folks from um, a number of different backgrounds, Democrats and Republicans, independents on this topic of like, let's let's expand this from, from just a conversation about like abortion's wrong, let's make it illegal. Like how, how can we take a broader approach to this topic and really use our intellect and our creativity to help support um, the the roots of the issue that that we're trying to legislate yeah and then just to broaden that question then would be um, like what what drives you as a as a Christian Democrat, what's on, I want to hear what's on your heart mm -hmm. that you've gone. I'm, you know, Republicans gather around to particularly the abortion issue. And so as a Christian Democrat, I want your eyes as to be open to, there's some other issues out there. And what are those issues that go on guys from a Bible? We're missing it here. Mm, yeah, I see. Um, for, for me, um, as a Democrat, I'm very justice-oriented, especially yeah. when it comes to oppressed, vulnerable, and marginalized groups. Um, and so as a Christian, like the Lord has so much to say about justice and how we treat um, the foreigner, how we treat the stranger, how we treat the widow, yes. the poor, um, the orphaned. And so uh, those groups, those marginalized, vulnerable groups um, are in need and require compassion and require us to approach them um, with uh, in humble ways that that uphold their dignity as well and not treating them as beneficiaries. And, and so as a Democrat, I um, 
especially to those who might have a different orientation to politics. Like there are some um, major injustices and inequalities in um, several different communities in our country that us as believers, we should care a lot about because the Lord cares a lot um, about those communities and um, the, the flourishing and the protection of those groups particularly. And that's just, if you are a Republican, I just want you to hear what she just said. This is a huge, huge point. And specifically, if you kind of live in a, in a nice neighborhood, you live in a middle-class neighborhood, and you really don't go into the inner city or you don't go to some of these neighborhoods, we just live such an isolated life. And, and I think that there's something on the Lord's heart in regards to the democratic platform in this reality and we i just want us i gotta i just want you to hear that um chelsea i got a question for you um this amassing of power and then the fear of losing power can you just can you just speak to that you've dropped that i've heard you say it a couple of times and i just want you to kind of expand on that because i because there's something there that i think i would i just want to flush out a little bit yeah, what I'm seeing both in Christianity today, as well as throughout church history, as Hannah mentioned, not to get too bogged down in the fourth century, um, but there is something to be said when Christians have done things in the name of Christendom, it typically hasn't gone super well. Um <laughs> The first century church, or even the early church, they were thriving. They were laying down their lives for the gospel. And then once they were the official religion of Rome, we see mass compromise, mass compromise. A huge influx of of pagan traditions into church practice. We see this in the Crusades, right? Convert or else. Um, And I am concerned about what maybe we're seeing now with this belief, and again, this clenched belief, uh, with our fists clenched of, we are a Christian nation, we have a Christian culture, and um, we have to continue that by amassing political power at all costs. Um, And I just don't see that in the teachings of Jesus, where he says, you have to, expand my kingdom on earth by force in within mm-hmm. human institutions and within human power. And so it's just a check for us, for our own hearts of where maybe am I feeling threatened? Where am I feeling afraid? And do I see this in the teaching of Jesus? Um, because again, when Jesus came to the earth, it was intense political division his people were being oppressed and there were groups who were saying let's overthrow the government like let's let's change our circumstances by force and they wanted jesus to be that kind of savior to be that kind of messiah to um deliver them by force and that's just not the way that the lamb came to the world Mm-hmm. And so it's important for us to model our political behavior after Jesus, that we should by all means be influential in our society, but to be influential for love of neighbor, not for the amassing of power so that um, our beliefs are forced on others without a true heart change, right? Yes, um, yes. I think that's what's so important is many of the political issues that Christians care about are rooted in the hearts of people. Um, And so we are not more focused on winning hearts and showing the love of Jesus in our actions and in our words. Um, I don't think we're going to expand the kingdom um, by, by force in that way through the political sphere, you know, and on this abortion issue, I just want to say as a Republican, I think we have really unfairly shamed Christian Democrats on this issue. Right. Right. And, um, I don't think shame should have any place in Christian political discourse towards one another. It's not what we see in the character of Jesus. And there are public policies that want to make abortion illegal, and there are public policies that want to make abortion unnecessary. And those are valid options for us. And um, I think we should have a much more grace-filled conversation around it. No, amen. I um, Sorry, I got another kind of... 
question. I'll let I would like both of you to answer this question. Um, again, this is off topic. So, um, you know, so um, I've typically voted um, conservative. And so, you know, there's been times where, and to be honest with you, I say this with a little bit of embarrassment. I haven't voted many times because a lot of my life I've lived outside the U.S. And then um, when I came here for the first, what was it, eight years, was it? I wasn't an American, so I couldn't vote. I had a green card. So, but... But typically, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an evangelical Caucasian believer. I would go in and just vote R. Boom, 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 boom. And so, but today, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to say this, and I haven't said this publicly yet on any microphone, but I want both of you to speak to me. I, I voted typically Republican, but there's just, I, I just have sadness in my heart the way that the president has responded in these last four months in America, specifically around the racial topic and the divide. And I'm just sad about that. And so what would you guys say to somebody, you know, because I think, you know, it could be a Democrat and you're looking at, at, at Joe Biden today and you're going, Joe, um, this woman has brought up this topic where she, she said you assaulted her. So what do we do with this? Cause these are broken men and they're in. So, but I, I'm going, I'm disappointed in my party's choice. Do I have freedom to actually vote for the other party's presidential, um, uh, you know, nominee. And so do I have that freedom or do I always just got to stick with my party? Um, I would like both of you to comment. How do you? How would you advise somebody in my position who's not super excited about their con their candidate? Yeah, I'll I'll get us started. I think there is full freedom to vote for the other party. I have voted for Republicans many times on my ballot. Um, very rarely, um, I never I, I never go through and and hit all just all the D's um, and. And I think that's important to note that like um, there's there's freedom to vote for the other party. It requires um, learning more about like who's on your ballot, right? And and um, kind of getting a sense of their record if they've already been in office um, as well. Um, so there's I just want to say like um, if you're a member of either party, like there's full freedom to vote for the other party, or if you're an independent, like this will come a little easier to you. But to to vote. Um, have a mixed ballot there. Uh, I think uh, one thing that uh, Chelsea and I have actually talked a lot about recently is um, how we, the political system is very broken and our leaders are broken. We live in a, mm -hmm. a fallen world. And so um, adjusting ourselves for how we view them and, and sort of when I vote for someone, I want that vote to be a vote of integrity, um, but I'm also not endorsing who they are necessarily or everything that they stand for. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, requires some thoughtfulness, right? So there's a line, there's, there's a line, I know for me at least when, um, when it comes to that sort of evaluation, but, um, that it's, our hope is not in our leaders, um, yeah. like our earthly leaders, but our hope is in the Lord. And so, um, it is disappointing. Like our options are so disappointing. Um, but I think for me to, to sort of maintain that hope in the face of that, is to remember like my hope and the Lord whose um, kingdom endures forever and whose dominion goes from generation to generation. So that's sort of my initial response. Chelsea, what do you think in response to that question? This is such an important question. Um, and I want to start by saying there will be faithful followers of Jesus who vote for President Trump, and there will be faithful followers of Jesus who vote for Vice President Biden that is okay. Um, we have to normalize that, that these are not salvation issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the way that we have come to understand our vote or the way that um, politicians or interest groups have tried to message our vote to us has really manipulated us and has led us to uh, think of our vote with more importance than it actually should have. Your vote can never encompass your entire moral character. It cannot encompass everything you care about. It can never encompass everything you 
God cares about. And so we need to stop weighing down our vote with things that it was never designed to carry. It's an imperfect instrument. It's an imperfect instrument and it's created mm-hmm. by man and we should treat it as what it is. It's a decision. It's a vote with information that's available to you at a set time. Um, and that's okay. And I think we've kind of uh, understood it as it's a it's a label of my entire moral character who I vote for. And I think that's a real misunderstanding. And it leads us to be really manipulated or it makes us so, it, it's so fraught that people disengage altogether and they say, well, I can't vote for either one, so I'm just not going to vote at all. And I think that's a real misunderstanding for us. And so we should have the freedom to prioritize how we vote for different offices and for different parties. Like Hannah, I've also voted for Democrats and uh, for different offices on my ballot. And so for us, um, who we vote for for president, we might prioritize a certain issue or a certain value that we see as being the most applicable or the most relevant to that office. But when you're voting for your county sheriff or for your state representative or for your county commissioner, you might prioritize a different value or a different policy issue that's more relevant to that sphere, to those constituents, to that community. And that's how we should be thinking about voting, Um, that we should take each office and each opportunity um, on its own and kind of de-escalate escalate this stress and this pressure that we've put on our vote. And I think also one of the the concerns that when we put so much emphasis on voting, it's like that's the only civic engagement that matters. And we've kind of said, okay, I've engaged civically, I've voted, I don't have to do anything else for the next two or four years. When in fact, voting is an incredibly important tool that we should absolutely take advantage of to steward the community that God's given us. But there are so many other ways we can be civically engaged and we can influence our communities and we can serve and love our neighbors besides just that one vote every couple of years. And we need to think much more holistically around our engagement. Yeah, Chelsea, do you mind if I just affirm and expand a little bit on that? I just, I I love how you articulate that. Um, And just to sort of build on like, it's so much more than the vote, like Voting is a very, it's a very blunt form of uh, expressing your political voice. When you vote for a candidate, you might have a specific set of reasons in your mind, right? But in order to see those come to the forefront, it requires actually engaging with who's been elected to that position. It requires holding them accountable um, as well. I think accountability is such an important piece that comes after an individual has has been voted into office. Um, And most representatives are very responsive to their constituents. Like they wanna know what their constituents think and what sort of policies and positions they prioritize, what they're worried about, um, et cetera. And so there's so much space for us to be um, influential by engaging with our elected officials after they've, they've gotten the seat, after they're in office as well. Um, and that's, uh, that's, yeah, we can be a lot more influential in that space. Um, and viewing our vote as sort of a more than a one-shot uh, form of participation. And by de-escalating the importance of the vote, it empowers your heart to love people better who voted differently than you. Yeah, no, longer, no longer is it, I cannot believe you would vote for that person. It's understanding that your vote does not encompass your entire moral value structure, and that's okay. Really yeah. important. Yeah. I, I let me we'll we'll kind of we wind things down, but it's going to be another kind of a little bit of a hot topic. Maybe has the potential to be. Um, but you know, I'm going to just say, um, let me. And I've heard you reference this, but I'm just going to say it, and then I would like you guys to respond. So, you know, we in the 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 you know the Christian world have looked to President Trump, and. Um, there's some pretty gaping holes in his history in regards to character, in regards to even how he's held himself in in these four years, in regards to his communication sometimes. And I know I know everybody takes and times it by 10 when it hits the news cycle and they ramp it up and they don't quote properly. But um, about the idea, if I'm a Republican, you know, then I just overlook who he is because he's a Republican, I'm a Republican, so I don't hold him accountable. And the idea of speaking to my own party. 
and and going, guys, no, there's some real issues in our leaders. And we just don't blindly cover those over, put them under the carpet because we're on the same team. And to take a serious look and go, hey, there's some problems here and I've got to go in and, and, and find out what do I think about these problems before I cast my ballot? Can both of you guys just speak to that? You know, your own parties and holding your parties accountable and just along those lines. Can you just kind of expand on that? Yeah, there are two things that I that I would say on this. First, when we vote for leaders, we need to understand that yes, we are voting for them for their policy positions, right? For their platforms, the things that we think that they're going to do. But our leaders within the context of how our system works, they also shape our political culture in our country. That uh -huh. they represent us, that politics in our culture is a uniquely representative sphere. They're representing us, they're shaping our culture. And so we have to think about both of those things. I think it's really tempting to say, well, I really like their policies, so I'm going to not care about anything else, about any of the other maybe concerns that I have. But we have to carry both of those things together because how our political culture in our country or in our state, our community is shaped um, directly affects how people are treated and how we engage as a, a, as a kind of community of 300 million Americans, right? And so I just want to emphasize the importance of that and that it's not just an issue of, oh, well, you know, stop kind of over-exaggerating the importance of personality, but really character leads to how we shape culture. And that should just be part of our analysis when we're making a decision who to vote for. Um, so that's kind of my, my first re response to that. Hannah, why don't you? Yeah, I... I really love that. I think like words matter <laughs> um, and, and that shapes how we talk about each other. The terms we use to describe each other matters a lot. Um, I, I think the thing that I'm thinking about in response to your question, Dwayne, is um, how we speak of our leaders and then as Christians, um, praying for our leaders. So when President Trump took office, um, a lot of Democrats it was you'll see this on signs and stuff like when they were protesting stuff like not my president um when president obama was elected we saw that same sort of rhetoric from a lot of republicans and as believers um i just want to encourage us and i'm speaking to myself as well here um no matter how much i i disagree and may have serious issue take serious issue with um some of the decisions or character of a political leader, like I need to be praying for them. Like how yeah. I speak about Amen. them matters, no matter how much I disagree, no matter how much I might be pained by things that I'm seeing in our political climate, like I should be praying for them. And I, it's something I've sort of uh, been thinking about lately is like, I need to be doing this every day. Um, <laughs> I need to be praying for, just like I pray for my family and my church and friends, you know, like on a daily basis, I should also be praying for our political leaders as well. Um, and that, uh, you know, just for the Lord's grace and protection over them and wisdom. And um, I think that's, that's important for us to, it's, it can be easy for me at least to sort of grow in criticism and sort of a, a callousness towards um, those whom I, I disagree with. Um, and so for me, that's, that's really important. The other thing that I'll add is um, when we are engaging in politics, whether we're with a party or if we're voting for a certain uh, politician, you can be a fan of a politician. You can be like, wow, I think that person's really smart. I think they've got great ideas. I, I really like them. But it, that's different than being a follower. Mm. And we should be followers of Jesus. We're followers of the Lamb. And so I think we need to be wow. careful of where our allegiances are. That yeah. I can like someone, but if I've crossed that line into... I follow them. I defend them at all costs. I um, never am critical of them. That's going to be concerning for us as Christians because we're going to see a tension of our allegiances. And we need to be really cognizant of that. And for us also, you know, Hannah mentioned this earlier about, you know, holding our leaders accountable, especially as believers. We're going to make a decision. We're going to go into that voting booth on November 3rd or send in our ballot in the mail. Um, but then if we vote for someone, it's not a rubber stamp. Anything that they do for the next four years, we defend at all costs. 
If we see whoever wins this election do something that is out of step with our value system as citizens of the kingdom, we have a responsibility to hold that leader accountable. Um, And so if we see either candidate say or do something um, that um, delegitimizes the the value of life or the dignity of life, we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to speak up. Um, and to see the areas where our politicians or our parties are out of step with our spiritual value system um, and to not just rubber stamp everything that they do and say, nope, I'm on the team no matter what. That's part of taking off our jersey and it's how we engage faithfully in this space. Oh, so That's good. excellent. Hey guys, thank you so much. And uh, I know that you both love the Lord and you're both burdened for where our nation's at. So I really appreciate what you guys have shared with us here. And I think it's actually um, critical. uh, We're at a critical juncture even, I think, for this nation and what you've shared. And so, guys, I really do want to encourage you, those that are listening, to encourage you to vote. And and the idea of taking off your jersey and actually really assessing, you know, we got two people that really are, they belong to their parties. Um, they, they, but they've voted across the, across the aisle. And I, I actually, I'm really respecting that. Um, i you guys have actually taught me and provoked me in some of my, even my, my perspective on things. And yeah. so I'm so appreciative. So, Hey guys, click forward link, whatever, ring the bell. Hey guys, <laughs> follow whatever all those cool signs are, but thanks so much for listening, man. Appreciate it. And, uh, we'll be, uh, we'll be releasing something next week. So we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much guys. Ciao, ciao.